Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you're at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much for listening today to Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your podcast host, and I'm just so thrilled that you're with us today. We have a very special guest here in the studio. I have my good friend, Kathy Sprinkle. Hi, Kathy. Good to have you today. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's, it's just such a joy. We've been wanting to do this for some time. You're so yes. busy, you know. It's like, but we finally got you nailed down to a date, and we got you in here, and, and we, I even got you some hot tea. And I'm telling you. I'm just trying to, trying to treat you right. Welcomed. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. Kathy Sprinkle is a licensed therapist. She works at Counseling Alliance, which is a Christian counseling organization here in mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Ohio. She is a trauma therapist. She is also a certified sex addiction therapist and also a betrayal trauma specialist. And the list could go on and on and on and on. But Kathy is well-trained, and she has worked with hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. Kathy was even my professor in college. She taught me a thing or two. That's right. So at least you tried, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't hard, Mark. It wasn't hard. Well, we're just delighted to have you here. And, And in preparing for this, Kathy, we talked about the subject we wanted to Mm -hmm. especially deal with today, and that is this matter of depression and anxiety, and especially with women, and women dealing with that, how that affects relationships. So again, welcome to the podcast. Um, We're just going to jump right in here and let you start sharing with us a little bit about this subject and why this subject is so important to you. Well, one of the things that I do when I go out into the community, I speak about this sometimes, and the title is, Why Can't She Just Get Over It? Mm -hmm. And I think we've all had those friends in our lives that they really are just have so much anxiety and so much depression, and sometimes we, especially as Christians, look at that as being ungrateful, and we'll Mm -hmm. probably talk about that Mm -hmm. in a minute. It's not ungratefulness. Right, right. But eventually, in exasperation, many husbands and many friends go, I don't know why she can't just get over it. Isn't that something? And you hear that. And again, that's not the conversation that comes up front with the person who's struggling. Yeah. It's that behind-the-scene conversation. Okay. Sometimes it does come up with the spouse, though. A spouse mm-hmm. will say, you know, honey, why can't you just get over this? And unfortunately, Mark, I see this more in the church than not in the church. Because, let's just talk about that now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we see depression as being ungrateful. Mm-hmm. And I tell you about, oh, it's probably been 20 years ago, I went through about a six-month period of time where I was clinically depressed. And a lot of therapists don't like to talk about that, but it mm-hmm. happens to us because we're people. Right, right. And I actually had an amazing relationship with Christ during that time because it was mm-hmm. all I was hanging on to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ungratefulness. It was, I had not dealt with the death of my best friend, which had happened several years before, but I hadn't dealt with it. Okay. I kept pushing it down. Mm-hmm. And lots of of things that happened in my life and suddenly 
the dopamine and the serotonin in my brain, which this mm -hmm. is a brain thing, mm -hmm. went, uh, we're not happy anymore. Mm -hmm. And I became very depressed. Uh, six months of seeing a good therapist, and I did go on an antidepressant that worked well for me. It doesn't work well for everybody, but right. mm -hmm. it's something I think we should think about if your mm -hmm. therapist says to. Uh, six months later, it was gone, and it's been gone since yes. then. I think if I would have just held it down. Imagine when we were all little kids, usually we played in a pool, and we had those hard dodgeballs and if you hold yes. it under the water so think about that now you're right, holding that right. under the water and when you first start holding it under the water it's kind of fun and then your arms start to kind of ache and the longer you hold it mm -hmm. the more it's hard mm -hmm. to let and you let go and it goes up in the air wow yes that's what happens mm -hmm. when we won't deal with our emotions that's so true isn't it yeah we, we just say that's not important and it is mm -hmm. right and the thing is like you said so many times we are even encouraged by others to just just get over it yeah. or just suppress it or just right. go on but uh, we we and I hope we're learning more and more that we need to stop practice good self-care and address those things that are going on in our lives what is it that's unique talking talking about depression and, and the difference between men and women what is is there something unique or different about the way women handle depression and deal mm. with it than the way men do? That's a great question, and I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here. Mm -hmm. But men tend to act out on their depression more acting out; they have more anger, mm -hmm. more outbursts. So women tend to bring it back to themselves, and they they're what we think of as depressed that that mm -hmm. sadness, that mm -hmm. kind of you know think of Eeyore, you know Eeyore <laughs> just kind of walks and he's just kind of sad, but. So women tend to turn it in on themselves, men tend to turn it out. And like I said, that's, that's painting with a broad brush. But we do experience it different. Mm -hmm. And men, unfortunately, I think, have been reared to say, just get over it. Right. You know? mm -hmm. and, and I think that's why we have more heart attacks, more issues of, of problems with men mm -hmm. with their health because right. they don't deal with their stuff either. Yeah, and they don't. You're, you're right. I've, I've got a book, and, and I've referenced this, I think, before in another podcast, but I've got a book in my study that I have yet to read, <laughs> but I bought the book because I love the title. It says, I don't want to talk about oh, it. Oh, that's a great book. Terry <laughs> Real, I don't want to talk about it. It's, I probably need to read it, don't it's I? It's great. Men in Depression, yeah. it's a wonderful thing about how men experience that so much differently. Yeah. So you have those things on, by the side of your bed too. I have a, a nightstand with all these books that mm -hmm. mock me every night when I go to bed. Like, you ever gonna read me? You know, I hear the great minds have stacks like that. Cause that's what I have. Mine's not by my bed. Mine is, mine is by the couch. And, and I'm glad my wife loves me enough to let me keep my stack there. <laughs> and, and so I, but I have about 12 books that are always there that I'm always working oh, yeah. on or reading always. on. So back to this matter with, with working with women. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about, maybe start us off with talking about, you know, people say, how do I know if I'm depressed? I've had people ask me, say, am I depressed? What is, what is depression? How do I know? What would maybe be some of the signs or ways that you would be able to, to help somebody to be able to understand whether or not they really are depressed? Mm, that's a great question. I think we've become in the society so used to people throwing around all these, we call it psychobabble sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. And there is, gee, I'm blue, situational depression. Mm -hmm. This has got me down. But when it's gone on for weeks and mm -hmm. it's not just the blues, when mm -hmm. 
we lose energy. We can't quite get out of bed. Now, when I was depressed, I had no choice. I was single. I had to get up and get out of bed. Right. Mm-hmm. Went to work, but the minute I came home, mm-hmm. I would go to sleep. Sleeping a lot or not being able to sleep at all. Mm-hmm. A lot of weight gain or weight loss. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want to eat or I can't eat enough. Mm-hmm. There's all these different things. And what it is, there's a wonderful book called The Body Keeps the Score. And his, he's a okay. doctor and a psychologist. And what his whole idea is that, I think he's right, that we hold all of our depression and anxiety and trauma, we hold it in our bodies. And that's something, And yes. so it's our body just screaming at us saying, get some help, will mm-hmm. you? Get yeah. some help. Yeah. Why, why do you think sometimes we are very hesitant to want to seek out help when we're in a place like that? Because I found as a pastor... A lot of people are, well, maybe they're in denial, or maybe they just don't understand what's going on, or they, you know, why is it sometimes, is, is, is there still some sense of stigma surrounding depression or yes. coming out and saying, I'm a person that's struggling currently with depression? What, why is it that we don't see people seeking help more? I think we're getting better, especially as the church, mm-hmm. we're getting better, and mm-hmm. certainly in society, we're getting better at that. But I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons. Like you say, I just don't want to tell. Mm-hmm. I've got this person, and I'm going to tell them all this stuff mm-hmm. that I've never told anybody. Right. My first session with most of my clients, I'll say, you don't know that I'm trustworthy. I am, and I'm going to prove that to you, but you don't know that. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so it's a sacred space for you to come in here and tell mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. things you haven't told anybody but maybe Jesus. Right. There's the whole idea that we touched on earlier is that somehow we're un- ungrateful. Most people that are depressed can look around their lives and go, in the middle of all this, I'm so blessed. Mm-hmm. I have so many things. Why am I depressed? It has nothing to do with gratitude. And that's really held on to. Mm-hmm. And seeking help and especially taking any kind of psychotropic medication in some forms of Christianity are looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm diabetic. Nobody thinks that's a spiritual issue. No, well, I think with my weight it might be, but okay, well, okay. along with that. And all the women say amen. Yeah. Um, but we don't see it as a spiritual weakness in my life mm-hmm. that I happen to have diabetes. Right, right. But if I'm depressed, there's many people that think, why doesn't she just pray more? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't she just read the Bible more? And we call that in counseling a spiritual bypass. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this may shock some people, but two plus two does not equal Jesus. So mm-hmm. Jesus is not the answer to every question we have. I think he has a part in it. But if your brain is malfunctioning, mm-hmm. it's not a spiritual issue. Right. Let's get you some counseling. Let's get you – There's. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one in my office. But there's herbal supplements that lots of people are using mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Let's get you some help. And all we're asking for your brain is, and for these medications is that it's not like they're happy pills. And I hear mm-hmm. people, oh, happy mm-hmm. pills. When I was taking the drug I was taking, it, I called it Kathy in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. It made me me again. And I got to the fighting weight where I could fight for my mental health again. Mm-hmm. And then I, ha- I could go off of it and be fine. If you have to take it the rest of your life, it's no big deal either. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think there's, there is still a stigma. Yes. And I think it's hard for people to decide. When people pick up a phone and call me, I'm always amazed that they're willing to do that because mm-hmm. I know what that takes. Right, right. And so it's like, yeah, when you can do that and then go tell all your stuff to a, a, a complete stranger most mm-hmm. times, it's a big deal. But that's why we have to rally around our friends that are depressed and say, let's get you some help. Yeah, yeah that's right. And sometimes, you know, as a husband, uh, you know, I can identify this, and I think most husbands can too. When our wives are depressed, 
we are fixers. Oh aren't we? my goodness, yes. <laughs> and I, when, when when my wife is down or mm-hmm. feeling depressed or maybe is actually in a state of some prolonged depression, you know, I want to cheer her up. You know, I want to I want to do the Tigger Act to mm-hmm. see if I can get Eeyore happy. <laughs> That's a great way of saying. And it. I, I find that that doesn't fix anything. Doesn't. And a lot of times, friends mm-hmm. want to fix as well, don't they? Yes. What and so and I think they're well intended, but does that yes does that create more problems? Does that really end up compounding the issue? How does how does that affect the the person out there that maybe is struggling when when everybody around is trying to be the cheermeister? Yeah, and I think many times then people don't feel heard. When we think about the Book That's of Job, point. I mean, we talk about that a lot. Where his friends came and he sat down, and they they listened and they were quiet. Mm-hmm. And it was when they opened their mouths that they made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. People that are depressed, first of all, need to be listened to. That if they're willing to talk, even if they've told that story to you mm-hmm. five times before, when people repeat themselves like that, it's one of two things, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They've never felt heard, really heard, or they're still telling it so that they can try to open a file in their brain to put all of these feelings. Mm-hmm. So we listen to them, mm-hmm. non judgmentally listen to them. Right. And Brene Brown, I love one of the things she says, when we don't know what to say, we say that. Brene Brown says when someone talks to her and she doesn't know what to say, she says, I don't know what to say, but I'm mm-hmm. just so honored you told me. Mm-hmm. That's great. Isn't that? Yeah. Because I think in many ways, listening is a lost art. Oh, yes. Um, one of the big things for me as a pastor mm-hmm. that I had to learn when I went out to pastor was, I had been trained to do a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had not been trained as a pastor in training to do a lot of listening. That's right. But because I always felt like I had to have an answer, or I always felt like I had to have a, a verse, mm-hmm. or you know, yes. <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying. And again, I'm going back to that: fix it. Let's hurry mm-hmm. and let's fix it. You know, here's a promise. That's all you need: a promise and a prayer, and yes. here we go. And I'm not minimalizing this use of scripture of course or the power of prayer, mm-hmm. but boy, the whole lost art of listening. Yes. You know, how, how could the average person out there, just a couple of things maybe that you would say, your friend is depressed, your, your, your spouse is depressed. Mm-hmm. What are ways that you could improve that listening experience for them? Mm, great question too. First of all, talk with them about that. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that it seems like you're kind of down. Mm-hmm. And it's been around for a while, and, and I'm not judging you. I so want to help you. Can you tell me what's what's going on? That's good. And mm-hmm. I always say, use your boundaries with me. Now, mm-hmm. only share with me what you're willing to share, mm-hmm. but talk to me about that and let me listen to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I value what you have to say, and I value your feelings, and I'm going to sit here and listen. Mm-hmm. And then, shut up. <laughs> just be quiet for a minute. Right. And right. then when there's a lull, that's a great way for you. You don't have to be a trained therapist to do this. Mm-hmm. When there's a lull, then you can say, that sounds like it's really hard. Now, to mm-hmm. us, that's like, well, of course it was hard. She just told you it was hard. No, yeah. no. That validation mm-hmm. that this is really difficult. Yes, yes. And not, oh, please don't use bumper sticker theology with people. Just right. say what's on your heart. And if your heart's moved, as I just said about author and speaker Brene Brown say that I I didn't realize it was that bad and I'm so sorry you're mm-hmm. walking through this mm-hmm. you can't imagine what those kinds of words spoken well to someone after they've really been listened to how healing that is mm-hmm. 
I, I have clients who come in to see me that just want to talk. They just need to talk. We're not doing any real deep therapy, and we talk mm -hmm. about that. Right, right. They have things they can't talk to with their families. Mm -hmm. We work through that, and then one of the things I'm trying to help is then how do I help you learn how to talk to your family about that? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yes. I have a friend of mine who is a licensed counselor, and he's been a counselor for many years. And he, he, told, he told me one time, he said, Mark, I would lose a lot of clients if my, more of my clients just had somebody they could talk to who would listen. Yes. Because sometimes they just can't find that person who will listen and postpone judgment, mm -hmm. who will validate their feelings. That's right. Who will show empathy mm -hmm. and, and, and not poo-poo or downplay what they're going through, but really. And so I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And again, that's, that's such an important role that as a counselor, because there are people who need to talk about things and, and they don't have anyone to come to. And one of the things too is we need to be safe people. I'm mm -hmm. trying to think right off the top of my head, right. what do I mean by safe people? Well, we're somebody who doesn't gossip even mm -hmm. on the prayer line. <laughs> we're, we're people who really listen with integrity. Mm -hmm have empathy right keep that there in, in a totally non-judgmental bubble that that person can be with mm -hmm. with you mm -hmm. and sometimes the people that i with whom i deal there are safe people in their life but they've been so wounded mm -hmm. they can't even identify a safe person mm -hmm. because that protection is up and, and it makes sense from what they've been through mm -hmm. so part of that is helping people see and you don't have to be a licensed therapist for this either help people see well Talk, talk to me about who is who do you think mm -hmm. is safe in your mm -hmm. life and help them identify those people. That's great. And that whole matter of having someone who's safe to mm -hmm. talk to, I, I cannot emphasize how important that is. And, it, and as a pastor, it's amazing to me how many people, they may not use that term, but I know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. How many people I've worked with across the years who just felt like, who, am I, who is it safe for me to really talk to? And open up who's not going to judge me and who will yes. really listen. And again, not turn around and tell somebody everything that I just right. told them. And, and I will warn you, if you decide to become that kind of person, people are going to tell you their stuff. There's a joke between my best friend and I, because we both have a lot of listening skills training. And we have had no less than 10 waiters or waitresses sit down at our table mm -hmm. and tell us their personal lives. Mm -hmm. Because nobody in their life seems safe to talk to. And we just... Right. are polite and give them some feedback and then they decide that which to me is an honor and mm -hmm. so incredibly sad mm -hmm. yes it is incredibly sad it is but i find that mm -hmm. story repeated again and again and yep. again with people well let, let's go back and 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 man there's just so many good things that you're saying and i'm so glad kathy you're sharing some of this because i think this Thank is going to this is going to help some people out there so. so let's go back and let's Let's think about the lady who feels alone, the woman who feels like she's struggling. Uh, what would you say to her? How would you, what are some steps, first steps she needs to take to when she's stuck? Mm -hmm. She realizes I'm stuck, nothing I'm doing is working. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm either still where I have been with this depression or I'm spiraling downward. What would you say to her would be the first couple of steps, things that she needs to think about doing for her benef own benefit. Mm, the first one that comes up is so important, and it's about our self-talk. When good. I was seeing the therapist mm -hmm. when I was having my own depression thing, 
he kept talking to me about what I told myself. And I said in exasperation, so you're telling me I don't even think right? And he said, no, you don't. You don't think true things about yourself. Mm -hmm. So we play these tapes over and over again, especially if we've had any kind of trauma, and I don't know anybody that hasn't. We play these tapes and they're not true. Mm-hmm. And I right. usually ask my clients what they don't understand what I'm talking about. I said, well, you walk into my office and you drop a cup, coffee cup. What do you first think? And they think, oh, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. How could I be that clumsy? Anything we say to ourselves that is hurtful is not helpful. Mm-hmm. If That's very good. If we could motivate yes. ourselves by being mean to ourselves, I'd say go at it. But it doesn't work. <laughs> so my thing with, with my clients and with friends is I want you to think – about your favorite little kid. They have to be under the age of six. Mm-hmm. Tell me about them. And I get them to talk about that. And then I say, okay, for the next week, I want you to try an experiment. We'll talk about Johnny. Anything that's too mean to say to Johnny is too mean to say to yourself. Mm-hmm. And they come back the next week going, I'm really mean. Mm-hmm. And I learned that from my best friend about 25 years ago said, you have the meanest self-talk I've ever heard. And if you spoke to me the way you speak to yourself, I would refuse to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's powerful, isn't it? It's, right. And it was so true. Yeah. So we have to start thinking about what we tell ourselves. Yes. And usually it's a habit. It's mm-hmm. just a habit. And we have to stop and think about it. And then we have to tell ourselves the truth. Mm-hmm. I am not stupid. I made a mistake. See, I mm-hmm. think there's also a part of us, especially as Christians, we're afraid we're going to be too easy on ourselves. I don't experience that much in what I do. Right. I experience mm-hmm. us being mean and judgmental mm-hmm. to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we have to honor our feelings Mm -hmm. feelings aren't right or wrong what we do about them are right or wrong Mm -hmm. when we feel that feeling we have to feel the feels as the joke is now yes Mm -hmm. feel the feels and figure out for me because i was the person that spoke meanly to myself if i have a really strong reaction to something i have to Mm -hmm. stop and go what's going on with that Mm -hmm. what's that little girl inside of me there's something going on with her what is it right and then when we take care of that then it helps take care of the situation yeah yeah I think it's so important you talk the whole self-talk. Oh, I mean, again, we could have a whole couple of podcasts talking about the yes. importance of those messages mm-hmm. that, for those of us go back in the days of the record player, mm-hmm. you know, like a record player that just that stuck and just keeps going over and over, like yes. a skip in the record, and it just keeps playing. Mm-hmm. And they are, and they're, and they're never edifying. Never. They're self-defeating, self-depreciating. Mm-hmm. They, they. They talk about our worthlessness mm-hmm. and our and and yet it seems like so many people have this this going on in yes. their minds and I don't know if you can ever stop it from starting mm-hmm. but somehow you've got to find a way to turn it off when it starts and we talked about this earlier there are many things in our lives that like a computer will always be a default mm-hmm. but we can learn an override mm-hmm. yeah you know now what used to take me three days to get through. I can do in five minutes because I practiced it, mm-hmm. of what's going on with me? Huh, feel the feels, mm-hmm. feel, okay. And deal with it and move on and tell myself the truth. Right, right, and that's key too. That's the, we, we have to tell ourselves the truth about who we are and we mm-hmm. need to figure that out. Mm-hmm. What is the truth about me? And mm-hmm. it, I find it funny with a lot of my clients. It's like we don't think it's weird that we play those tapes over and over and over again because we've done it for so many mm-hmm. years. That's not crazy, but talking back to it is. Well nothing that's that's bad for me gets to live rent-free in my brain anymore and i would really yeah tell people that in in our own lives and tell ourselves they don't Mm -hmm. get to to, that part of us that is so hateful to us and Mm -hmm. i don't know about men 
most women have what I call a mean girl committee that meets in their head. <laughs> and they're those, if you think about those mean girls in mean high school. Mean girl committee, yeah. Okay, okay. They live in their heads and they right. are never nice. And something. they never want good things for us. They just tell mm. us what a failure we are. Right. And we have, to, we have to speak to them and say, that is simply not the truth. Even right now, I may feel it, but it's not the truth about who I am. That's, that's so important because we have to look at ourselves as who we truly are mm-hmm. and who we are in Jesus Christ. Thank you. And to me, that is so important. Some time ago, I, in my own life, I made a list of the lies, mm-hmm. and then I countered those lies with the truth. And I have that parallel list. And every so often, I pull that out and look at it, Kathy, mm-hmm. because even, even myself, even today at 57, Yep. Some of those old messages still want to come back, but they're the lie, they and are. I have to replace them with the truth. And all of the lies I've seen in people in my own life mm-hmm. are bathed in shame. Mm. And you've probably yes. heard part of this before, but we haven't learned it really well, and that is the difference between guilt and shame. One right. of my friends said to me several years ago, I've got some pretty confronted friends, and I think that's good, um, said to me, you know, why do you keep making contracts with the enemy? I'm like, that's pretty serious to say. Yeah. She goes, no, I see that the, the Lord says this about you, who you are, right. and the enemy says this about you, and you go with the enemy. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, sometimes he's got the goods on me, you know? Sometimes he's right. And that sent me on a whole journey of figuring out the difference between guilt and shame. And, of course, you've heard that before. Yes. Guilt's about something I've done. Shame is about who I believe I am. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. Over 2,000 years ago, all of your shame mm-hmm. was nailed to the cross. Amen. That's right. It, the The grace of God can't even cover it anymore because the blood of Jesus already did. Shame immobilizes us. Yes, it we does. We sit in our pity party and go, I'm terrible. Guilt can motivate us. Proper guilt can motivate us to go, I don't want to be this person anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, and I, I'm really big in therapy about confronting people and confronting myself on the use of the words always, never, and ever. Mm-hmm. Because it may always feel like your wife does this, but it's not true. Right. She may say you never do this, but that's probably not true. It feels like that. So where do I fit in all of that about the always and the nevers? The one place that I say that there's an exception to that is any time you hear as a believer, you hear a whisper of shame, it's always a lie, every single time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we have to combat it and say, you know, right now I even feel that way, but it's not the truth, and this is Amen. the truth. That's we have right. to speak back to that. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth. It'll be the truth mm-hmm. that will set you free. It kind of makes us miserable first, usually. but yep, It does. It <laughs> but, does. And and again, sometimes we, we some of us maybe in the culture we were raised in almost thought it was, a, it was one of the spiritual disciplines to just beat ourselves up right. and push ourselves down. Right. And, and, and again, we, we all understand pride and arrogance sure. and all that. But... There's a difference between being humble and self-humiliation. Yes. And some of us have never understood there's that, that difference, that it's not, it's not beneficial to us, nor does it truly represent what Jesus Christ has done for us when all we do is revel in some kind of self-humiliation. Isn't that funny? Romans says, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died yes. for us. Yeah. But now, when I, now that I'm one of his own, he wants to beat me up all the time. Yeah. I don't think that's true. That's not the Savior that I see in the it, New Testament. It's no. not. And and going about some other scriptures that talk about that, about taking every thought captive. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, how do you do that? And for some reason, I always think, like, my thoughts are high up there. So it's like I have to wrestle them to the ground. 
when you take something captive, it usually doesn't come willingly. Mm-hmm. It usually will fight you. Mm-hmm. And we have to wrestle our thoughts into submission. Right. And say, I will not speak about someone who Christ died for like that. And I'm talking about speaking about ourselves. Amen. That's true. That's right. And so it's, it's a process. And yeah. it takes a long time to learn it. But I'm kind of to a place now. I don't want to make a sweeping statement, but it's pretty hard for anybody to get well from depression and anxiety and the list of mm-hmm. other things until they get a hold of their self-talk. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to end this podcast, part one. And Kathy, you've agreed to stay around, so mm-hmm. we're going to record part two, and we're going to go back and talk some more about this. But listeners, we so appreciate you being here with us today, listening to Hope Along the Journey podcast. Um, it's always it's always so great to hear from our listeners. So why don't you drop us a line sometime? Uh, visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org or send me an email at hopealongthejourney dot or hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. There we go. I got that right. <laughs> so thank you again, Kathy, for being thank here. You. And as we always say, remember Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world. And if you'll look to Jesus, he will help you to find hope along your journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more hope along the journey.